Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Jesse and Steve Lepicki. Jesse and Steve are vegan OCR racers, and I wanted to get them on to get their insight on how to be vegan in a healthy way, eating real whole foods rather than relying on alternatives. Whether you are vegan, whether you are considering going vegan, or whether you're just curious about how people live this lifestyle, I think you'll find this information highly valuable. So let's tune in. Jesse, Steven, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Yeah, we're great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We're fantastic. You are quite welcome. I'm super excited to get you guys on here. You are both vegans, your athletes, your coaches. I really want to dive into why you're vegan, but more importantly, I really want to dive into eventually the biggest misconception I get when I'm talking with athletes, and that is how to get enough protein as a vegan athlete to keep that muscle build. So, um, and you guys are great at that since obviously you are very successful athletes. And so um, I want to be able to dive into all of that today. So first off, I will let you guys introduce yourselves. Who are you? Yeah. Do you want me to go first? Or you go first? No. Okay. <laughs> so my name is Jesse. Um, uh, previously Barker, just became a little picky. Uh, we just got married. Um, I'm originally from Georgia myself. Um, came up to Baltimore on a whim, met this guy, and the rest is history. We live in New Jersey now near his family. Um, he actually got me involved in obstacle course racing, um, I guess, yeah, when I met you about three years ago. And um, I've been vegan almost five years. It'll be five years in April. Um, but yeah, I can, you know, definitely speak to, um, you know, you know, being vegan and my, my whole story of how that happened and, um, how it's like really helped me. I feel like with being an athlete and I know he can speak to, um, you know, being an athlete already and then kind of transitioning slowly into being a vegan. So we both kind of have that take. Um, so it'll be cool to dive into that. But. Yeah. And I'm Steve. Um, I've been plant-based for seriously like two and a half years now. Um, wasn't vegan or plant-based before I met Jesse. Um, pretty much went that way in the beginning because it's just easier to cook. Um, and I got tired of making two separate meals or <laughs> hearing or watching a documentary about, you know, something that I was eating while I was eating it. Um, and so I really got seriously into OCR um, probably five years ago now when I moved to Baltimore looking for a new group of friends. Um, participated in CrossFit, was a college athlete, so um, I coach some now online. Um, and so, yeah, I'm more than happy to talk about being an athlete and then making that conversion and some of the misconceptions that you get, that sort of stuff. Very cool. Jesse, I know from our talk we had before, you have a pretty extensive background on why you became a vegan. Um, I would like, however much you feel comfortable sharing, I would love to kind of have you dive into that a little bit first. Sure. I will try to keep it brief. Um, I know my story's semi-long, but <laughs> to summarize it, yes. Uh, so it started out as just a 30-day challenge. Um, my friend Michael Lemangeli uh, invited me to do this 30-day challenge with him. And it, it was just going to be a fun thing. I ended up losing, you know, 10 pounds in the span of a month. Um, wasn't like ever really heavy, but, you know, I, I toned up really well. Um, I felt great, felt amazing. 
was working out at the time, not really like as serious as we do now, but um, I was like, oh, I guess I can keep this going. You know, I don't really need the meat. I don't feel like I do. Um, I had no idea what I was doing at the time. I thought bread was, you know, not vegan. So I cut everything out. Like I cut bread out. I cut everything. So yes, I did lose a lot of weight. I um, kept it going over the span of a summer. I lost about 30 pounds, um, felt, still felt really good. Um, so, you know, and then I it just ended up being like, I just learned too much about it and the sustainability aspect. And then, you know, the animal aspect of things, I just couldn't unsee what I saw after learning too much. So I never went back and yeah, it's, it's been amazing. So, um, oh, and then the whole story. Well, that was five years ago, almost five years ago. And then um, I always forget to mention, I actually was diagnosed with PCOS uh, when I was about 19, 20. And um, so I, I'm not sure if anybody is familiar with PCOS, it's uh, AKA polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, I had a lot of unfun symptoms, if you guys are familiar with that. Um, but after, you know, I've dealt with those symptoms for, you know, a few years. And then finally, when I went vegan, um, when I was about 25, 26, um, I was actually able to reverse uh, my PCOS. So I, you know, it was really interesting to be able to do that. I, you know, I've learned a lot about um, these chronic illnesses that we see so much in the, in the country. And um, it's really cool to be able to learn that, you know, you can reverse it and you can actually, you know, give your body what it needs and it'll take care of itself. So, yeah. Very cool. Steve, on your side of things, being an athlete first and then transitioning to vegan, what did you notice different as you were making that transition? Um, I think the first thing that I noticed was how much easier it was to make the transition without actually having to think about it or worry about it. Um, I've worked with nutrition coaches and trainers who had very strict guidelines as far as macros and counting and all of that sort of stuff that comes with uh, diets and exercise programs. And at one point I was working with a coach who was phenomenal, um, but I actually went from 165 to 148 to improve my running um, and then when I he wasn't ready to kind of take me to go entirely vegan so I kind of did this on my own and I found that recovery times between workouts I'm not as sore after workouts um, I thought I would have this oh no I'm gonna become a skinny vegan I'm gonna just waste away kind of uh, his whole family body build <laughs> Um, and I kind of didn't, I, I really didn't have any of those issues. Um, all the nagging injuries that I would get, all the, the crossfit kind of, you know, my terrible deadlift form hurting my back or, you know, like pulling something, doing a lift. Uh, I noticed that those kinds of nagging injuries went away. And so, I mean, unfortunately I've had a couple seasons where I've been injured, but they were actual injuries. They weren't dealing with a pulled calf or a a pulled hamstring. And so really just the recovery aspect of it has really improved. Very cool. And no strength deficits from during that transition? No, nothing. He actually broke his finger and he was able to race with a broken <laughs> <Yeah>. finger. <laughs> um, and if anything, probably, and it was probably more of the, the more protein heavy diets I was doing during CrossFit, but because you basically can't, I don't want to say eat whatever you want, but you're not just trying to 
massively protein load under, you know, some of the other diets I was under, I had more issues with, you know, that, that carb fog when I was eating more protein and less carbs. And I found that some of the endurance factors actually improved over time going vegan because of just, uh, it was just fueling my body and eating almost whatever amount that I wanted and, and wasn't thinking about them anymore. So. Okay. Very cool. When we talk about being vegan, like especially the conversations I have with people for people new to being vegan is all of these different meat alternatives rather than, you know, just using real food. So I kind of want to get into like what types of foods can people eat to get the necessary protein that we need without having all these alternatives in our system? Yes. And it's one of my favorite, uh, topics. Actually, I was just talking to somebody about this today. Um, there's such a huge misconception and a, a myth, this protein mania thing. Like we need all these amounts of protein. There's, it's so interesting though. I, I don't know if you've you know seen the, the movie, the documentary game changers. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love the way they, they explain it. But, um, um, it started so many years ago. There was so much advertising with like meat, you know, you need meat to grow muscles and meat does the body good and all this stuff and dairy got milk, you know, all of these advertisements that were just so misleading. And, um, it even goes as far as, you know, our food pyramid, like Canada doesn't even have any meat on their food pyramid. So, um, it's just really interesting. Um, so you actually do not need to eat, you know, animals or milk or any kind of animal, uh, protein, anything like that to get all of your amino acids. Um, it's very interesting. We actually think we need, you know, uh, I, I was always told, you know, I remember I was counting my macros. We were told we needed like 20, 24 grams of protein per meal. And we're actually overdosing on protein. Um, there's a lot of studies now, now, especially with the casein, um, in regards to animal protein and how, you know, devastating it is on the body. It just like, it's ripping through our small intestines and, you know, our kid, it's wreaking havoc on our kidney and our livers. They're really just holding in those toxins and, you know, storing the proteins. We, like, we only need a certain amount. We actually only are supposed to be eating about 10 to 15% of our caloric intake. So, you know, a lot of people think, well, I'm going to bulk. I'm going to, you know, I need all this protein. There are so many vegan bodybuilders out there. They're huge. They don't need to eat all this protein. I mean, they probably, they eat a lot more, um, calorie wise. Yes. Um, but believe it or not, protein is in everything. It's insane. So the way I like to look at it is, um, you know, where do the animals get their protein? Right. So what we do is we kind of cut out that middleman and we're able to go straight to that source, the, you know, pure source, the original source of protein where, plants is that plants are actually where pro, uh, uh, protein synthesis happens. It doesn't happen in the animal. Plants are the only thing on earth that can produce protein. So it's interesting, you know, we can, we can actually cut out that middleman and go straight to the source. Um, so yeah, we used to, and I know you mentioned all of the alternatives and everything and it's, you're right. You're so right. Like the biggest thing I can tell people um, when they're trying to, you know, eat vegan or not, when they're trying to just do better for them, their health is whole foods. Just try to focus more on eating whole foods and stay away from processed stuff. Um, that's probably the biggest thing that you can do for yourself because the more, you know, whole foods that you can get, you know, protein is in everything. 
we were counting our calories, you know, back when I was, I call myself still a new vegan. You know, I didn't know what I was doing, especially becoming an athlete. We were thinking, Oh, we need all this protein. You know, I've learned a lot since then. Um, but yeah, we were, we were substituting with seitan, tofu. I mean, we still eat, you know, soy and everything. And I think there's a big misconception with soy as well. I mean, there's a whole other topic, but, um, you know, processed soy, I think that goes back to the processed stuff. Processed soy is bad. Water washed soy. Soy is actually a, um, a, a superfood. It's just up right up there with spirulina. You know, it's really actually good for you. Um, and we'll go into all that, but, um, anyway, <laughs> on and on, I'm just going to stop myself. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, I actually do want to, since you did bring it up, um, let's dive into it. Um, soy processed versus unprocessed and just like difference wise, what it does, what the different types do to our bodies and how it, how our bodies respond differently. And then uh, one thing I did forget to mention, you, you asked about the meat alternatives, which I, I, I don't, I, like I said, they are processed and we, we are more of a whole foods, whole food vegan, raw vegan. We try to stay away from that stuff now, but I do love that it's out there. Like when I first started, there was hardly anything out there uh, for meat alternatives and things like this, but it's, I, I love it for people that are trying to go vegan and a little bit confused about that process of how to go vegan. It's a great stepping stone for people for that transition. So I just wanted to throw that out there too. Um, soy. So, <laughs> so, so everyone um, is so concerned about soy and estrogen and it being, you know, a cancer causing um, uh, type of food. But um, so it's very interesting. There's, there are enzymes in soy that resemble, I forget what the enzyme is called, um, but it resembles this enzyme uh, estrogen. It's, it, it resembles that, pro, that uh, enzyme est estrogen and it's something uh, it hooks on to the receptor, but soy is actually, it looks like that. So, you know, back in the day, these studies, the scientists thought that um, it was estrogen in the soy that was, you know, cancer causing, but actually it's a cancer fighting enzyme. Um, it does the opposite. So it's really interesting. It's hard for me to explain really, because I'm not a scientist. I just know that there's a lot of re new research coming out right now that is showing, you know, um, it does resemble the enzyme of what estrogen looks like, but it does, it doesn't really do the same thing that estrogen does as far as, um, what, you know, latching, latching on and creating those cancer cells and turning off and on that DNA for cancer. It doesn't, it doesn't do what we think it does is, is my point. So I think the important thing to know and remember about soy is, um, processed soy is bad. Anything processed really is going to be bad for you. Um, it's important to do, uh, to make sure it's water washed. You want to make sure it's, you know, non-GMO if possible, organic, you know, things like that. But soy is good for you. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Uh, question. I'm not very good at explaining that. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Um, you're fine with that. What are some, when it comes to protein in foods, what are some of the like biggest and best sources for um, proteins in general, but then also to make sure we're getting all those essential amino acids in us. Yeah. So, um, there are 21 amino acids total. Um, we just have to make sure that we're getting nine because our body can make the others. Uh, so the nine, 
complete essential amino acids um, are pretty much found in a lot of different plants. Though the ones that we look to are, um, you know, quinoa, buckwheat, rice and beans, um, seitan, spirulina, soy. Um, there's a lot of them. Um, so yeah, as long I mean, those are just the type of types of things we try to cook with. You know, if we have, you know, like quinoa bowls, rice and beans, taco uh, lentils um tacos like stuff like that we just you know we usually tend to try to make sure we have something like that and in, in some of our meals if not all so awesome cool cool steve i would love to hear your input a little bit more as far as making that transition i know you said it was pretty simple for the most part but um just kind of learning to eat differently learning to cook differently um kind of that how that whole process went for you yeah, so uh, I guess the lucky part is that I had Jesse to kind of help me through the learning to eat differently process. Um, in a, a former life, I was actually in the culinary industry. I was an executive pastry chef at a restaurant. I've cooked in various places. Uh, so I had a, a culinary background. With that being said, I'm not the one of us that cooks. Um, but he gets to yell at me from the living room about how I hold the knife. Yes. So, I, yeah. I don't know about proper knife etiquette and when she's about to put well, it through her hand. I do have a band. Well, I did have a bandaid on. So. Um, and, and so I think the, the, the hardest part for me was kind of just getting out of my own way and, and getting out of my own excuses. And I'm actually a full-time fundraiser. So I would travel a lot and have a lot of donor meetings and, even as an athlete, it was always, what's, what is the other person going to think about my dietary choices? And so I used that as a crutch um, for a real long time before making a commitment to being as plant-based vegan as I am now. Um, I'm not 100% of the time 100% vegan. I, I say I'm plant-based because I just think that vegan is more of a... a ethical stance and while I have many of those ethical beliefs no leather, I, I don't yeah. I, I'm not one to sit necessarily in a restaurant and say does this have honey in it does this have butter in it yeah. I, I try to avoid those things as much as possible um and my diet is as clean as possible without inconveniencing. yeah without inconveniencing those that I would meet at a meeting or go out to eat with so I I, I think the biggest thing for me was just getting out of the fact that I needed to worry about whether, you know, my family thought my diet was weird or whether, you know, my coach thought my diet was weird or whether I thought, you know, bringing lunch to the CrossFit box or breakfast to the CrossFit box and it being, you know, like, oh, why aren't there cheese or eggs or chicken or whatever in that? Um, I think once I got out of that stigma and avoided it, and, and I found the best way to do that was just through um, educating myself and listening to other people. So I got really into the Rich Roll podcast. And when Rich Roll started talking to vegan bodybuilders, I was like, oh, okay, well, if a vegan can be a bodybuilder, I guess I can run a CrossFit, right? Or, or do CrossFit <laughs> or, you know, run an OCR vegan and it's fine. And, you know, reading, you know, his book and reading some of the other books, um, Scott Jurek, I think is the ultra endurance athlete that's a vegan um, reading his book and just hearing these stories of athletes who do these phenomenal things and 
you don't need to worry about your diet and that the diet is really, it's a, it's a me thing. It's not a other people's deciding and I shouldn't let them have an influence as to what I eat because if I sat at a table and I watched somebody eat four Big Macs and I go, that's really weird. They're not going to really care that I said that. So um, I think the biggest transition point for me came when I just made the decision that I don't care about other people's opinions. And, you know, you can care about, you know, animal cruelty or the environment and still, you know, do Olympic lifts and participate in CrossFit. And it's all as quote unquote, macho or you know jock based um as you think it would be it's funny as i hear you talk it brings up a a post i saw recently it was probably around it was had been around thanksgiving but it was like no one says anything to you when you're the person who eats 12,000 calories in a meal. And yet when you're watching what you're like, when you're trying to eat to perform, everyone questions it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, 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 I saw one, uh, there's like a vegan sarcasm Instagram post I follow. And it's like, no one questions your dietary choices when you have four Big Macs and a large fry and a Slurpee. Mm. But the minute you say you're vegan, everybody's like, where are you getting your, you know, your nutrition from? Where are you getting your protein? And, and it's kind of funny. <laughs> And I, I think the other thing, cooking, I think for me has become, a th- when I do cook, it's become a thousand times easier. Um, one, cutting out dairy has been great because dairy creates a lot of mucus and mm-hmm. I can breathe now after drinking a Slurpee and then going for a run. And that was kind of awesome. He actually avoided um, his yearly usual sinus infection this year. Yeah. Um, I'm not as sick as often. Um, all of my numbers, I never had high cholesterol or high sugar. But when I went for my annual physical, the doctor is was like, your cholesterol is so low. I don't even know what to say to you. Um, so <laughs> th- th- there are a lot of those kind of benefits. And cooking's just become easier because it's so much easier to put rice and beans in the Instapot or, you know, make tacos and you're not worrying about cooking the meat and having it be undercooked or I'm not, you know, dealing with chicken and cross-contamination and mm. all of that kind of stuff. And so it's just become, once you find the recipes that you like and the dietary choices that you like and you, you get past that whole, I need a piece of meat with this, it, it actually becomes incredibly easy. And the biggest thing that I was always worried about is because of my culinary background and because I just love to eat is traveling, going to other countries and not being able to eat or missing out on foods. And I think I eat more different cultural foods now than I did before because to get the American diet just isn't designed for recipes that are vegan. So we're eating a lot more Indian and Mexican and Asian diets and it's a lot more enjoyable in a lot of ways. It opens you up to a lot more plants too. I mean, there's 40,000 plants. I mean, and we've only touched maybe like, you know, 20 something of them, like on average, you know, meat and potato or potatoes, you know, to, uh, you know, cucumbers, you know, things like that. I mean, there's 40,000 plants out there that we get to, you know, dive into and try like jackfruit, like who I never heard of jackfruit before, you know? So. Have you actually seen an actual jackfruit? They're ginormous. Yeah, they're, they're huge. huge. <laughs> so you're, yeah. yeah, I um, I was with a friend at the store one time, and like we had known like of we have known of jackfruit, and all of a sudden she's like, 
those things are huge. <laughs> like when we actually saw an actual one versus like the already shredded one that you can get. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like bigger than a pineapple. Right? Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the travel aspects. I do, I do want to touch on that a little bit because I, I have heard conversations with or had conversations with people about the difficulty eating vegan while traveling, whether it's for races or work or, you know, you name it. What are some tips you can give for being plant-based and traveling? So I, I think, so depends on what kind of traveling. So I guess when you talk about races, Jesse and I, we travel mostly all over the East Coast. We pack a lot of our own food to do travel, um, mostly because if you're going to eat vegan before Burger King came out with the Impossible Burger. <laughs> um, it makes it so it easy. Make, that makes it so, it's so bad, but, but it's, it's so, so it easy. It tears us up. It's terrible. Um, you oh really didn't have your, your easy vegan choices while traveling were really bad rest stop burritos or, you know, like sides essentially. And not that there's anything wrong with sides, but you were eating a ton of fries and a ton of other, you know, just like the accessory to food. So we would pack a ton of that stuff um, for ourselves. Energy balls. And we, yeah, we have a, an energy ball recipe energy. that we got from one of our really good friends. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we make a ton of smoothies. We actually have a adapter in the car that plugs in <laughs> that turns it into a regular plug. So we travel with a Nutribullet. So like we'll make actual <laughs> smoothies on the road. Um, so I think racing, it's more about just preparing. And, and we stay a lot of Airbnbs, so we end up doing a lot of preparing and cooking for ourselves anyway in the morning. Um, and breakfast is basically the easiest thing to do vegan. Um, I think the, the one thing when traveling as far as for work or vacation, um, when I meet with client, clients or prospects, um, I try to make it a point not to make it awkward at the table that I'm vegan. Like I will either call ahead or I will excuse myself before foods come to say, you know, Hey, this is my dietary choices. You know, can I just have a couple recommendations so that when, you know, people, when they come over, you know, it's not a whole conversation. I'm not pulling 87 things off of a menu. Um, traveling abroad is super easy. Um, we were just in Greece and Portugal for our honeymoon. Um, and everybody knew what vegan was. Um, Portugal, especially. They, wow. They, they may laugh and be like, oh, more vegans, and, and that's fine. But <laughs> it, it's it's actually really easy to do it. Um, it's becoming mainstream now. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that the biggest thing for travel, but the same travel tips I would give if you were not vegan, is if you're traveling, pack your own foods. Because airports have really, really terrible food choices. Um, Pack your own trail fruits. Pack, well, fruits aren't great through Tra- security. But yeah, yeah, trail mix, you know, hummuses, stuff like that. Pack your own foods. Um, go to a grocery store instead of eating out the entire time and just pick up your wet lunches and it's breakfast. cheaper too. Yeah, it's yeah. cheaper and it's healthier. Um, and, and it's really just being more cognizant of what you're eating. But over the last three years, there really has not been... Um, I mean, rather, there has been a huge increase in what's available where unless you're in the real deep south, like where <laughs> the earth <laughs> is from. Um, I'm lucky I have some vegans and vegetarians in my, yeah. in my Thanksgiving family, our reunion, because we have 
you know, at first I was worried, but we did have like over the years, we have more and more each year. Yes. So it's nice. So unless you're from like <laughs> the real deep South or, or from, you know, a place where it almost, it's almost a food desert. It's not yeah. hard to, to eat vegan while out. Very cool. And I, nice. I think, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say that um, he was talking about being in the airport and I, I love, I read an article. I was like, it, um, you know, bringing your tra own trail mix and things like that. It's better to, you know, do, you know, some intermittent fasting while there and just mm -hmm. doing the traveling versus eating crap. Like don't bog your body down with it. Yeah. I would agree with that when I'm traveling. It's yeah, I take snacks with me, but it's just minimal stuff just to get me by until, and then same thing. I'll hit grocery stores when I'm, and even if it's, um, like, even if I'm not somewhere that I can cook, it's like, I can just go and get like carrots and nut butter and like, I'll just create a meal that way. <laughs> just cause I'm like, no. <laughs> so yeah, it's so easy just to hit grocery stores and do it that way. Anything we haven't discussed when it comes to being a vegan athlete that you think is really important to bring up or, um, and discuss. I mean, I think the biggest thing just from my point of view and, and you know, we see it amongst our OCR team. There's probably four or five guys who I never thought would really be vegan or plant-based, but we have- Jason. <laughs> we, yeah, he told us to mention him on the podcast, but we have, more, we have more and more friends of ours that are just Reaching approaching out. it yeah. and trying it. And um, I think, I would just say that if you're interested, just try it. I mean- Post up on Facebook if you do want a thirty day to. challenge like I did, yeah. Or, or not even that extreme. Just start one meal a day, or go meatless Mondays, yeah. or and I know that's corny, it sounds corny, um, but just give it a go and see what happens. And it's best to do a slow transition too. And people are so quick, especially when I was in CrossFit, with willing to try you know a paleo diet or you know with that whole meat diet, but there's so many, um, you're, people are just so willing to try other diets that because, you know, an influencer on Instagram or, you know, your friends said it, yeah. but just have that same openness and give, you know, veganism or plant-based a try and, and, you know, just see what it does for your body and, and give it a, I don't think there's anything negative that could ever come out of just even giving it a go. Very cool. If someone has any questions for you or wants to reach out to you, how can they find you? Probably what? Facebook or email? Yeah. Facebook, email. I'm uh, Jesse Lepicki uh, on Facebook. And then uh, email is uh, Jesse Lepicki at Gmail. Um, and I'm always on Instagram. Um, vegan OCR here. <laughs> she's vegan OCR on Instagram. I'm Steve Lepicki OCR on Instagram. Um, I spend too much time on Instagram. So I'm the opposite. You, you I can can't definitely get it. find me there. Uh, yeah. But definitely reach out. And anybody that's interested and just, you know, wants to talk about it or has an interest or, you know, wants to discuss training or OCR or any of it, feel free to hit me up on either. Yeah, we love those questions. We love to help people and um, it's awesome. So love to change lives. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, no thank problem. You. Thanks, Brianne. And that concludes this week's episode of Highly Functional. If you enjoyed it and found the information helpful, I invite you to head over to Facebook and join my group, Obstacle Course Racing Athlete Health and Performance, where you can both join your OCR tribe, as well as find very helpful, useful information on how to become a more dominant racer, a more resilient racer, 
and truly race at your peak performance. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional.